If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus this is the wheel of time spoilers podcast your hosts are Seth Jacobson and Patrick Heiler. Chapter 34, The Wheel Weaves. And our symbol is the snake in the wheel. I see that kind of as, I think that chapter heading is used a lot when important events are set in motion. Like a lot of changes are happening. A lot of coincidences are happening. And we were talking about this. I was talking about this in the episode before last because this is like one night for Tom Marilyn, these last three episodes. Yeah. This is the moment when Tom, well, in a couple paragraphs here, this is the moment when Tom is like, F it, like I'm in this. Mm-hmm. Like even in in his dialogue in the last three, four chapters, he was literally saying out loud, like, I'm out of it. Like, I'm not a part of this. Like, leave me alone. I don't want anything to do with this. I'm going to have a nice, simple life. I mean, he kind of drops out of it again. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't turn up for a while until Matt comes across him drinking in an inn later. It's in Tarvalin. Because of last night's events, which is what Tom is leaving from right now. I think it's the early, the first light. So it's it's dawn right now. Mm-hmm. Um, because of last night's events and his conversation with Rand and Barthanus's conversation with Rand, Barthanus ends up dead. Denna ends up dead. And because Denna ends up dead, Tom flies into a rage as much as Tom ever flies into a rage and murders Galdrian. I'm nodding. Which throws Kyrian into chaos, which just is so it's totally ripe to be taken over in yeah. about a book. Taviran giving a little pluck on that string just to make Ding. throw it into chaos <laughs> so that it's ready for him to take over. After the death of Barthanus, doesn't Kyrian not have a ruler again until Elaine takes it over? There is a, well, there's, I think, a like a Civil War light happening Okay. until the Aiel come. Right. And then there's the, the Aiel Rand kind of restore order so that they're not murdering each other until Elaine's like, oh, by the way, mm-hmm. I'll take that. It's my birthright, after all. Doesn't Colavere try and take power for a little while, and then Rand comes back? Okay, so after Barthanus and Galdrian are assassinated by separate parties, Colavere is the highest-ranking noble in Kyrian, high seat of his house, which is called Saigon. And she hangs herself after he strips her of all her titles. In the Wheel of Time universe, women are probably more likely to be rulers than men. Well, in this age, anyway. Yeah, there's definitely a point in time where most of the rulers are either are women. And I mean, the most powerful ruler, the Emerald Seat, is a woman by default. Sure. And the most powerful country, Camelin, is always ruled by a woman. That's right. The first light of morning already pearled the sky by the time Tom Marilyn found himself trudging back to the bunch of grapes. Even where the halls and taverns lay thickest, there was a brief time when the foregate lay quiet, gathering its breath. In his present mood, Tom would not have noticed if the empty street had been on fire. Some of Barthanus's guests had insisted on keeping him long after most had gone, long after Barthanus himself had gone to bed. Gone to bed. Yeah, well, I mean... He was busy. He kind of went to bed. Part of him went to bed. Part of him went to the floor. Part of him went to the ceiling. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he leaves, so... 
he leaves the party and some of his guests are still there partying into the night. And some of them have, for lack of a better term, received orders or the right hints that Barthanus would have it that Tom should stay at the party until dawn. I'm nodding. And then he has to go and send those orders, presumably. And then after that, he's ripped to shreds. Me and Seth think it's the golem. It's our first evidence of the golem. For now, we just know that we, these folks have been delaying. In Tom's head, they they ask him to tell some of the same stories over and over. And um, they ask for stories that he doesn't expect or wouldn't think would have been interesting to them. And they seem to be like laughing just at the wrong parts just for the sake of laughing. He th- has the thought they had laughed in the wrong places at the wrong things. They had la- laughed at him too, apparently thinking he would not notice. So I think they're just they're just there to distract him. Yeah. Well, and I think they're laughing at him just because they're part of a plot to keep him there. And they paid him a bunch of money. You know, it's just like. Yeah, they sent him home with a ton of money. Yeah. Which I again I assume came from Galdrian, who paid, who gave the money to like here pay off the harper, keep him here for a while. To hold him there while Galdrian sends his thugs to search Tom's rooms to see why this interesting Lord Rand of House Althor is conspiring with Barthanus, obviously against Galdrian. The heavy purse burning his pocket in pride was not the only reason for his mood, nor even the noble's contempt. They had asked questions about Rand, not even bothering to be subtle with a mere gleeman. Why was Rand in Kyrian? Why had an Andorran lord taken him, a gleeman, aside? Too many questions. He was not sure his answers had been clever enough. His reflexes for the great game were rusty. They don't really care what his answers are. They're just stalling him. He mentions that he stops at the great tree before he goes to where he's staying, which is called the Bunch of Grapes. I wonder if that's a reference to wine, I assume. Yeah. It it evokes a sort of a nice plush place, you know, where they drink wine instead of ale and you've got a, a musician in a court bard. It just sort of the name reminds me of a ritzy place. He mentioned he goes to Rand's Inn, but he doesn't mention what he did or what he said. Well, they weren't there anymore. So he checks on them, but they're not not there. all there. They well they they must have left already for ways. Yeah. They're probably because they left super early in the morning to go to the ways. So he so just when, misses them. So he just misses them because he leaves first thing in the morning. So they're probably confronting the black wind when he's at the inn. Because then they they run into it again at the steading, and then they decide to use the portal stone. Right. right. So they they've left for the steading is what's happened. They've yeah. gotten up super early and left. He thinks about go- having gone by Rand's inn, and at the end of his thought, he says, "Well." The boy's on his own now. Burn me. I'm out of it. But after this, he starts is when he starts at least indirectly helping Rand. He says he's out of it right after going to Rand's inn and trying to insert himself right in the middle of it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, keep telling yourself you're out of it, buddy, but you're not acting like it, which is really what gets Deanna killed is that he tells he's lying to himself if he just jumped back into the game with both feet he would have realized what was going on if he yeah wasn't telling himself that he's not playing the game while he's playing the game he would have known i really like some of these lines here just rj's description of dawn and what that feels like this is a very poetic chapter to me it is. i feel like he spent a lot of time crafting his words in this chapter because it is such an emotionally heavy chapter and and you know we barely even met deanna like we she sort of made fun of Rand a little bit she cheated loyal and we and we know she's good but she's still one of people like talk about how much they love the character and how sad they are that she died and i think one of the reasons is because you really feel tom's emotion in this chapter when he discovers her body here Right, because it is so well written. So that being said, I'm sorry about this, but I want to read about a page, like the next, almost the whole thing. Run with it. Go for it. So I'll skip this one paragraph. It's basically him walking to the inn and through the common room, empty as it seldom was, took the steps two at a time. At least he tried to. His right leg did not bend well, and he nearly fell, muttering to himself. He climbed the rest of the way at a slower pace and opened the door to his room softly so as not to wake Denna. Despite himself, 
He smiled when he saw her laying there on the bed, with her face turned toward the wall, still in her dress. Fell asleep waiting for me, fool girl, he thinks. But it was a kind thought. He was not sure there was anything she would do that he would not forgive or excuse. Deciding on the spur of the moment that tonight was the night he let her perform for the first time, he lowered his harp case to the floor and put a hand on her shoulder to wake her and tell her. She rolled limply onto her back, staring up at him, glazed eyes open wide above the gash across her throat. The sight of the bed that had been hidden by her body was dark and sodden. Tom's stomach heaved. If his throat had not been so tight he could not breathe, he would have vomited, or screamed, or both. He had only the creaking of wardrobe doors for warning. He spun, knives coming out of his sleeves and leaving his hands in the same motion. The first blade took the throat of a fat, balding man with a dagger in his hand. The man stumbled back, blood bubbling around his clutching fingers as they tried to cry out. Spinning on his bad leg, threw Tom's other blade off, though. The knife stuck in the right shoulder of a heavily muscled man with scars on his face, who was climbing out of the other wardrobe. The big man's knife dropped from a hand that suddenly would not do what he wanted, and he lumbered for the door. Before he could take a second step, Tom produced another knife and slashed him across the back of his leg, which I'd like to point out he's purposely not killing him. He hamstrung him so he couldn't get away. Yeah, so he can't run. The big man yelled and stumbled, and Tom seized a handful of greasy hair, slamming his face against the wall beside the door. The man screamed again as the knife hilt sticking out of his shoulder hit the door. Tom thrust the blade into his hand within an inch of the man's dark eye. The scars on the big man's face gave him a hard look, but he stared at the point without blinking and did not move a muscle. Before I kill you, Tom said, tell me, why? His voice was quiet, numb. He felt numb inside. The great game, the man said quickly. It's good shit, guys. He had only the creaking of the wardrobe doors for warning. So Tom gets surprised by two people. After getting a shock, he's got a bad leg. He still kills one instantly and tip puts a knife in the other one. No problem. Yeah. The gray fox. Don't mess with Tom. Isn't that, doesn't Moraine call him that? Yeah. I think she says like a man who was once known as the gray fox or something like that. Yeah. Cause she's like calling him out. Cause he's a, uh, she's like, I looked into you a little bit. Guess what I found out. The game. I'm not mixed up in dice Damar. Who would want to kill me for the great game? The man hesitated. Tom moved his blade closer. If the fellow blinked, his eyelashes would brush the point. Who? Barthanus, came the hoarse answer. Liar. I was in Barthanus's manor last night, as close to him as I am to you. If he wanted anything of me, I'd never have left. I tell you, we've been looking for you or anyone who knows about this Andorran lord for days. And there's the key. It's the Andorran lord. Tom's response, what Andorran lord? But he knew. The light helped him. And that's his blind spot. He just doesn't see Rand as a lord. And that really screws him over. Yeah. Rand of House Helthor, tall, young, blade master, or at least he wears the sword. I know he came to see you. Him and an Ogier, and you talked. Tell me what you know. I might even throw in a crown or two myself. You fool, time breathed. The boy's a shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> which is, <laughs> which I- is true. But I think um, we talked about that a little bit in the last episode or like two episodes ago where I was talking about how like, yeah, he's just a shepherd, but he's also the dragon reborn. Right. And I think that's why I think that this is the moment that Tom's mind changes, at least in his regard for Rand as who he is to the world, because before he was just a clumsy farm boy to Tom who had accidentally got himself mixed up in I said I dealings. Now. He's, well, soon to become a powerful lord. He is a powerful lord. He just upset the the government of Kyrian. He got the attention in the highest levels of the government. He managed to escalate all the way up to the king. Yeah. And that combined with a little bit of his quote-unquote spying on the um, statue. And probably Rand's Taverin effect on Barthanas which is the reason that Barthanus gives him the the message the message right cuz otherwise he wouldn't normally have done that that line it says like he had a look on his face like he was saying something he wouldn't normally have and we see that happen to people around us near a bunch of times throughout the series just that they say something that they wouldn't normally mhm 
And so that's why Barthanus is probably laying ripped to ribbons in his bedroom right now. And Galdrian is going to die soon. It set off this chain of events. He masterfully, masterfully played the great game, but he doesn't even know it. How does Tom kill the king? I don't know. I'd have to keep an eye out for that. I would imagine, you know, he's with an... This is going to sound stupid, but with a knife? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I thought he somehow played the great game to get him killed. Or did he just stroll in there and stab him himself? That might be right. Well, at the end of this chapter, riots pop off in in Kyrian. There's people burning the grain silos. And what do we know about that? Why does that happen? The foregate starts rioting, like right as Tom is leaving the inn. He starts seeing smoke rising up from the foregate. He estimated the distance and took a deep breath, and he tells Zara, perhaps you had better think about leaving Kyrian too. It looks as if someone is firing the granaries. And she just says, I've lived before through riots before. Get out of here. Could it have been... Why would that happen? I thought it could. It could was have, that Barthanus's move? It could be Barthanus's death that triggers that. So Barthanus's allies see that Barthanus has been assassinated. They fire the granaries to destabilize Galdrian's hold on the population. Because if if the granaries are fired, then the foregators have nothing to eat. And if the foregators have nothing to eat, then they're going to start rioting. You know what? Why? Because of Rand's comment about the granaries, the Barthanus. So there was something about Andoran grain, and he made a comment, which probably got them thinking that the Andorans were going to use some power leverage to try and influence the succession. And so that led to the burning of the granaries. Those are fine granaries Galdrian's got there. Be a shame if someone were to set fire to them. It would be. It would be. Yeah, I, I so I have to assume the the whole granary firing thing and riots has to do with so the granary firing has to do with Rand's comment and the riots happen because there's no fucking food left. Yeah, blame it on Rand. That's that's pretty much what we're doing. You've made one real mistake in it all, Tom said. Mistake? The man's far hand was beginning to slide down toward his belt. No doubt he had another dagger there. Tom ignored it. You should never have touched the girl. The man's hand darted for his belt. Then he gave one convulsive start as Tom's knife went home, which I assume is straight through his eye, because that's where his, the point is right now. Yes. Yeah, he just shoved that right into his brain. I do have one question. When he's interrogating the guy, he says, Every house wants to know about this Randolph Thor. Two or three have approached me. With what you know and me knowing who wants to know it, we could both fill our pockets. And there has been this woman. Oh, I forgot to mention. Yeah. I have seen more than once asking after him. That's Lanfear. I I assume it has to be. confident that he was like, we're going around looking for this Lord Rand of House Halthor, and we kept running into this mysterious woman. If we find out who she is. The only other thing I could think is that it is Leandrin. Could be. Do we know where Leandrin is right now? Well, we think she sent the Drakkar after Moraine. Yeah. So we think and warded them. So she could be. That's kind of far away to come back, and she is heading back to the White Tower because the girls are about to get kidnapped. Yeah. So, so that doesn't really work. We know she arrives sometime soon, but. Yeah, it would take a little while to get there from Kyrian. Yeah. I don't think she would be there right now. I agree. So, yeah, I, I just can't think of any other, any lady other than Lanfear who would be asking about Rand. I'm pretty confident that Rand pointing out the granaries and accidentally insinuating that perhaps he wouldn't mind if they disappeared. Galdrian's interest in these very expensive projects that present power but aren't actually helping him all kind of led Barthanus to think like, like, oh, this is all I need to do to destabilize Galdrian. Yeah, I don't think Lanfear knows where Rand is exactly right now. Although we do know that 
she has some ability to track approximately where he is just because of what he is. Well, and and he doesn't say that she's looking for Rand. He says he's running into her while he is looking for information on Rand. Yeah. So she's just around a lot. He's tracking Rand and he keeps running into this, seeing this lady who's also tracking Rand, which is why they're running into each other. That's what I assume. Yeah. And now he's dead because he killed the girl. The badass action movie line too. <laughs> you made one mistake. You shouldn't have touched the girl. And you'll see uh, Bruce Willis saying that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Old Bruce Willis with a, with white hair, with hair. And a good mustache. And Zara walks in to the room after she hears the commotion. Right. There were two of Barthanus's men were asking after you last night. And with what I've heard this morning, I thought you said he didn't play the great game anymore. Well, they found me, Tom says. Well, he thinks they found you. They found him. Yeah. Because it turns out these are actually two different men. Right. There were actually two men of Barthanus's men asking about him, but... These two are Galdrian's men. This is bad, Tom. You'll have to leave Kyrian. His gaze fell on the bed and her breath caught. She realizes that Denna's dead too. I cannot leave yet, Zara, he hesitated, then tenderly drew a blanket over Denna, covering her face. I have another man to kill first. Zara responds, if you mean Barthanus, you're too late. Everybody's talking about it already. He's dead. His servants found him this morning, torn to pieces in his bedchamber. The only way they knew it was him was that his head was stuck on a spike over the fireplace. And so that, we assume, is a golem. We talked about this. We don't see anything about a bloodless killing. I am not confident that any human being, and I'm discounting Patton Fane because Patton Fane's no longer a human being, any human being would be capable of that. You know how much work it would take to rip a human body into ribbons? <laughs> So it's got, it has to be either it has it to be some be kind of shadow spawn. A channeler is possible. If Lanfear is hanging around, it is possible that she went ahead and tore him to pieces. I don't think she would have any reason to assassinate right. Barthanus. Yeah. Now the one piece of information that I did look up because we we suspect this is the golem is I I investigated the golem, and as far as we can tell, Samuel found the golem in a stasis box and that's from Lord of Chaos. Okay. Um, but he doesn't use it for a long time. I'm nodding. It seems odd that the golem comes out this early and then doesn't appear again for quite some time. No. Who would Galdrian have sent that it would have ripped him to pieces? I, I do think it was the golem. And the Trollocs and Fane are already in Toman Head. They're already headed to the ways, yeah. They're in the ways at least. Yeah. Even if they're not at Toman Head. Because they would be capable of that. The description of this murder is very similar to Herod Fell's murder, which is when the golem, we next see the golem. Yeah. It's the only thing that really fits. I, I agree. I agree. Because otherwise there'd be, you know, he was found dead with an arrow in his back or something like that. That would have made sense for if Galdrian had done it. But what that implies is that the golem is out. If Samuel found the golem, that means Samuel's out. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got to be either out or out soon because he's got to be becoming active soon. If he's going to take over Ilian by the time Rand gets there, which right. is only like a month or two in book time. No. Well, cause Rand goes to the portal stone. That's like a season. Okay. And then they spend some time at Toman head and then he heads back to Ruidian and spend some time in the waste. And then comes out of the waste. So it's a it's probably another six months before he gets back out of the waste with the Aiel. Six months? Well, still. Because by the time he he's, comes back, Samael is controlling Ilion, Ravin's controlling Andor. But they all rose very, very quickly. Yeah. The rank, because they were all able to use basically compulsion to take over. I would think, though, that they're all out and they're starting now. Yeah, I originally wanted to think it had something to do with Ishmael for interfering with his plans for the horn. Cause yeah, so that's what I'm coming back to is that... A running theory now, Ishmael, part of his plan is to send Ingtar after the horn. So Ingtar retrieves the horn, brings it back to him. Barthanas interfered with that plan. Ingtar would have had the horn to bring to Ishmael if 
if Barthanas hadn't passed the message from Fane to Rand that he was headed on his way to Tomenhead. Mm-hmm. He aided Fane as well in letting him use the Waygate. Right. Yeah. So I'm not sure if it was using the Waygate or passing the message. Both. Both probably. Yeah. I guess more letting him use the Waygate than anything else. So Ishmael has a reason to be upset. And that's why, but I don't see any reason why Samuel would be after Barthanas right now. He's not right. in Kyrian. And so my assumption is even if Samuel had found the golem, it's currently under the control of Ishmael. That would make most sense. Because if, well, Ishmael never, as far as I can think of, goes to personally murder anyone. Ishmael sends people to do things. So that it couldn't be have been him. No, I don't, I don't think, think so. Him. No. And it would really be really hard to get a shadow spawn in there other than a golem. The only other candidate could be Slayer. Hmm. Ishmael's Slayer is like Ishmael owns him. Yes. And he's got some Taviran, not some, some Terangriad. God, no. Teleron Riyadh. That's the right word I'm looking for. The, so he's got some ability in the Teleron Riyadh where he could like pull somebody in, rip them apart, and then drop them back in the real world. Yeah. But that seems like too much for him. Yeah. Discord saying, <laughs> radio says, Slayer, do it more stabby, less rippy. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> but he was the only other candidate who I could think of who could get in there, would be under the control of the Forsaken, and has the ability to do it. Yeah. Whether or not he would, I think that's different. I think there's a, a scene where he like pops in. He thinks it's where Rand is staying and like stabs two people in their beds. While they're asleep and then like pulls the sheets back and it's not them. That sounds familiar. Land and Nynaeve were the targets of that. And the other thing is like it could just be a generic death where he didn't really have a bad guy in mind. He just ripped them apart. So Tom gives Zara like the sack of money he's just made and because he has to get out of there. He has to disappear soon to to bury Denna basically properly. The next thing I have is... When Zara looks at the men and realizes that they are not, in fact, Barthanas' men. Mm-hmm. She nodded toward the fat man. It's the worst kept secret in Kyrian that he works for House Ryatin, for Galdrian. Galdrian, he said flatly. What has that bloody shepherd gotten me into? So now he realizes that his revenge, where he, you know, he had, he was going to kill um, Barthanas. Turns out Barthanas is dead, so we can't have his revenge. And then it turns out. It wasn't even Barthanas he needed to kill. It was Galdrian. Yeah. So now he has his revenge again. Zara's trying to talk him out out of doing anything. But you try and kill the king and you'll be dead. I'll read this part. Aurora came from the city walls, as if half of Kyrian were shouting. Frowning, Tom peered from his window. Beyond the top of the gray walls, above the rooftops of the, of the foregate, a thick column of smoke was rising into the sky. Far beyond the walls... Beside the first black pillar, a few gray tendrils quickly grew into another, and more wisps appeared further on. He estimated the distance and took a deep breath. Perhaps you had better think about leaving, too. It looks as if someone is firing the granaries. And so I think we talked about this a fair amount earlier. Yeah. But yeah, we think that's due to Brand's comment earlier. You have a dangerous look in your eyes, Tom Marilyn. Dangerous she says, for one person. what would Denna think? Like, would she want you to do this? You know, you're probably going to end up dead, like getting yourself further tangled in this. Well, she's underestimating him. And Tom says, I'm only an old gleeman, he said from the door. And Randall Thor is only a shepherd, he thinks. <laughs> Who could I possibly be dangerous to? As he pulled the door to hiding her, hiding Denna, a mirthless, wolfish grin came onto his face. His leg hurt but he barely felt it as he hurried purposefully down the stairs and out of the inn. And then we get a POV switch. To Pat and Fane. Pat and Fane, one of the few good Fane chapters. Yeah, I like I like these chapters that are that are POVs from like not our main characters. We get a little into Tom's head and into Pat and Fane's head. These are sort of our secondary characters. Um, we're not quite into tertiary characters yet. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. For now, most of the POVs are all secondary characters. Patton Fane reined in his horse atop a hill above Falm, in one of the few sparse thickets remaining on the hills outside the town. The pack horse bearing his precious burden bumped his leg, and he kicked it in the ribs without looking. The animal snorted and jerked back to the end of the lead he had tied to his saddle. The woman had not wanted to give up her horse. 
no more than the other dark friends who had followed him had wanted to be left alone in the hills with the Trollocs. Without Fane's protecting presence, he had solved both problems easily. Meat in a Trolloc cookpot had no need of a horse. The woman's companions had been shaken by the journey along the ways, to a waygate outside the long-abandoned steading on Toman Head, and watching the Trollocs prepare their dinner had made the surviving dark friends extremely biddable. I like the meat in a Trolloc cookpot had no need of a horse. So he's sitting on this horse outside of Falm, and he's bringing the horn to Turok. He has that plan in his head already. And he's he's been there for some time at this point. He's been going around the countryside, essentially torturing innocent villagers to get whatever, and whatever information he can out of them. I think that what's going on with Fane right now is he is following in the steps of Mordeth. That Mordeth seeks out a ruler to advise and corrupt and then use that person to take power. Oh, yeah. There are allusions to it in his mind later. And so what he's doing is he's looking for a power center he can corrupt and, and take over. Basically. Yeah. And he tries to find a couple. The White Cloaks is one he tries to use. The Sean Chan are one he tries to use. And... um. Is it uh, Elida? Elida. I know he corrupts her. I'm not, I'm not sure at that point that he's tried. I don't think he wants to stay. I think he's just passing through to get the dagger and just brushes her with the corruption a little bit. He had learned something of these people, these Shan Chan, in the day and night on Toman Head. At least as much as the defeated folk knew, it was never hard to find someone alone, and they always answered questions properly put. Properly put, I like that. You know, after a little bit of torture. Yeah. He notes that the children never say anything worthwhile. But they talk the quickest of all. Yeah. It all seemed peaceful on the surface, despite the armored Shanshan in the streets and the ships in the harbor. But Fane could sense the tension underneath. He always did well where men were tense and afraid. Which is definitely a reference to Aridol. Yeah. Oh, he also is with... Turum Riotin, who is related to Galdrium. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Huh. So Turam is in the rebel group. Rand visits him. And remember, the it's when he gets the cut from Fane across his scar. Ooh, yeah, yeah, I, re- I remember that scene. So Rand goes out to try and negotiate, and he's with Min. With the one side of the Kyrian and Civil War. Cadswain. Cadswain's in the camp. And he like he's in the middle of a fight, and then the fog comes up and starts like snatching people and killing people. Yeah. And that's Fane. And then later in the last battle, Fane says like he tried to do something like this once, and he's referring to that scene. So that's like Fane starting to reproduce Mashadar, basically. Yeah, control it. It's mm-hmm. like a part of him. It's interesting that he does that with when he's around Riotin, who's related to Galtrian. Yeah, I didn't realize the connection. Yeah, there's so many connections that I keep coming <laughs> yeah. across in this series. Um, So he leads his horse into the city, and the next thing I noted is that Fane eyed the blue-bordered banner flapping above the roof. The spread-winged hawk clutching lightning bolts and chortled inside himself because he recognizes it. The mm-hmm. only reason he should be able to he recognizes it, he recognizes it from his the memories of wait shit. Mordeth is from the Trolloc Wars. Why does he recognize the banner of Luther Pendrag? Trolloc Wars were before. Yeah, and but that's when Mordeth, right. Mordeth happened. Sure. 
But he could, he could still be around, you know. Oh, well, yeah, there's no re- I mean, Mordeth was alive or alive. Was, yeah, that was whole time. existed that whole time. Yeah. So when he runs into when Mordeth himself before it's Fane slash Mordeth runs into Rand Matt and Perrin, he says he just says like it's oh, it's been a long time, I think. But, oh, is that all? Or I I felt like he said something about a few hundred years. Yeah. And but I think he's he's definitely like people have wandered into Shadowlogoth and he's talked to people before. Yeah. Well, in any case, anyway. he recognized the banner as the banner of Luther Pendrag. Right. And he so he approaches it and there's soldiers underneath guarding a And that's a Grom. Grom. Yeah. A few of them. The soldiers were looking at him, especially the officer, whose armor was all gold and red and green. Forcing an ingratiating smile onto his face, Fane made himself bow deeply. My lords, I have something here that will interest your your great lord. I assure you, he will want to see it, and me, personally. He gestured to the square shape on his pack horse. The officer stared him up and down. You sent a foreigner to this land. Have you taken the oaths? And he knows this from torturing villagers. Right. I obey, await, and will serve, Fane replied smoothly. Everyone he had questioned spoke of the oaths, though none had understood what they meant. They show the chest, which is all gold. The chest alone is worth a lot. And even this lower officer says, this is a gift fit for the Empress Mm -hmm. herself. Come right away. And it's, of course, not the chest that's important either. It's what's inside of it. Yeah, but even the chest is, you know, an ancient artifact. Mm -hmm. That's all that the officer sees. As they went through the door, the officer frowned at him. And for a moment, Fane wondered why. Of course, the beasts. I just like that because he walks right past the Grom and he doesn't flinch or look at them or... In the same way that, like, Lanfear doesn't show fear in all the right places with the Grom. Yeah. she's not really threatened by them. Fane isn't really flinching when he walks past these horrible beasts. Because he's like, whatever. They're, you know. Yeah. I can deal with them. Whatever they were, they were certainly no worse than Trollocs. Nothing at all beside Murdral. And he had not given them a second look. It was too late to pretend to be afraid of them now. But the Shanshan said nothing. Only let him deeper into the house. So the officer talks to one of Turok's servants, and one of the servants goes and gets Turok. Fane waits around for a while, of course. Mm-hmm. Fane made himself bow deeply. My lords, I have something here that will interest your great lord. We've talked about this before. Yeah, because when he was talking, wasn't it when he was talking to Patron Nile? I think so. I think he does it quite a bit. and we He calls him great lord a bunch. It could, yeah, it could just be an ancient, an old way of speaking, like something from Mordeth. Well, I always thought Great Lord, I mean, Great Lord just means the, the dark Great one. Lord is, yeah. yeah. That's what the Chosen call the Dark One. Right. And all Dark Friends call him. So I do think it's funny that Fane continually gives all these people the title of Great Lord. Hmm. Yeah. I don't think he has a sense of humor. So maybe he's. I think it's more like a tick, honestly. Yeah. I think because, you know, he's like, has this imprint on him that he just like calls things the great lord the only thing that makes fane laugh is murdral nailed to barn doors so he presents the gift to turok and sort of spins a bit of a tale here yeah a marvelous gift turok's eyes lifted from the chest to fane yet the question asks itself how did one like you come by a chest many lesser lords could not afford are you a thief i liked how i really like how sharp turok is he knows right off the bat he's asking all the right questions. He's no dummy. No. You know, that's one thing that we see about the Sean Chan over and over again is they are competent and efficient. And Turok men- mentions at the end of this chapter basically that in order to get to his position in Sean Chan society, it, like it's highly competitive. He was like, if I were to do something like keep the horn, I would end up dead real fast. So I'm right. not going to. You're bound to the horn for life, so your life wouldn't last very long. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's pretty much what that boils That's... down to. <laughs> so he kind of makes a point to say later that he does not want to rise any higher, and he wants everyone around him to know that. He's like, no, I'm good being mm-hmm. 12th in line. Yeah. Fane says, um, my present shabbiness allowed me to bring this to you unmolested. This chest is old, High Lord, as old as the Age of Legends, and within it lies a treasure such as few eyes have ever seen. And then he says, soon, like... I'll open it for you when I only discover it, and Turok is always already touching it, and he pops it right open. Mm-hmm. 
I like, uh, I have seen chests such as this, chests from the Age of Legends, said the High Lord, though none so fine. They are meant to be opened only by those who know the pattern, but I, ah, quick. <laughs> so yeah, it's, and we've seen that with Moraine too. So I think that, that some, a lot of people think the box is a stasis box, but I think we've yeah, I don't think so, decided it's that not it's not power related. Yeah. Or it doesn't appear to be. But I mean, it may have been crafted with the power, but it's not an object of the power, if you know what I mean. I do. I do. I think it was just, yeah, it was crafted out of gold and I assume just forged. Yeah. And but, Turok collects these things, so he's yeah. seen things like them before. He's super interested in old things. I mean, he's got that cabinet of Quendiar. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure he's done his research. And if he hasn't seen one, and he's seen boxes like this, so I'm sure he's like gone to his friend who's a collector and he's shown off his box and is like, this is the secret. Yeah. I also noticed when he looks down at what's in, he lifts the lid, he looks down at it and he says, these are treasures from the age of legends? He asks, like kind of skeptically at first, but lifting out the curled horn in one hand and the curved dagger with the ruby and its golden hilt in the other. He examines them, and the Age of Legends, Turok repeated softly, tracing the silver script and laid around the golden bell of the horn with the tip of the dagger's blade. His brows rose in startlement. He reads, at first he picks them up, and he's like, this doesn't look like much. When he picks up the horn, he's like, are you sure? I mean, it's often described as a fairly plain-looking horn, other than the script around the edge. But it's really distinct in the writing that he picks it up and he reads what's written on it in the old tongue. And the Horn of Lear legend has been around since long before Arthur Hawkwing. And then he, he looks at Fane and says, do you have any idea what this is? The Horn of Lear, High Lord, Fane said smoothly. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I sure do. Turok has it all whisked away and like to set in st- fine stands that he, where he, you know, with his collection which I noticed is like this kind of bizarre, semi-bizarre, empty room with like nothing but a chest and a single chair facing the chest. He just like sits there and has coffee served to him and looks at his fancy shit. He this he this guy just does that. He's bored of off his mind. <laughs> he says he has that nothing to do. Yeah. He's like they've <laughs> conquered everybody. He's just sort of which there's no re- resistance. Uh-uh. There's he doesn't really have anything to worry about. And the servants probably do all the real work. He just like sighs and sips coffee <laughs> and is entertained. Not a bad life. And probably trains with the sword. Yeah. And I notice Turok also says when Fane tries to reach for the dagger and uh the what's the guy's title? Is it Turok's truth speaker? I forget the title of the person that attends the High Lord, his voice. Because the truth speaker is the person who like calls them out for like doing stupid shit, and they can't be punished. And when you're this high, if you Turok is doing something unusual, and that he's even speaking with Fane. So, have I told you about my theory on why Sean Chan nobles have a voice uh, uh, that is a position that is occupied, or why the Empress needs one? Yeah, you've told me. My idea was the Empress we know sits on a crystal throne. The crystal throne. The crystal throne. throne. And I believe that is a compulsion, Teron Grial. And so whenever she speaks, those who hear her must do what she says or are in some way influenced to do to support her and favor her. And so in order to prevent that from occurring all the time, she uses hand talk and has a person with her to speak so that it, you know, when she does talk, she has the option yeah. to use the power or not. Yeah. Yeah. So this had that theory, theory for a long time. I really like it. It makes perfect sense that the crystal throne would be Terangriel. Is, isn't it called a binding chair? Yeah, possibly the binding chair. That's I, I have less support for them being the same thing. But uh, it's certainly possi- a possibility. And so this this culture around that has developed. So the the people who are close to her in su- succession do the same thing, where they sure. sit on a throne and they have the same way of communicating with people underneath them, which is by communicating with their highest servant, and then their high this 
important servant speaks mm-hmm. to the people because and you're you're not good enough to listen to the voice of a one of the high blood. Exactly. And that's entirely copied from the Empress, but she only started that and they developed the the sign language so that she could not necessarily make use of that power. I would assume that the the Crystal Throne has been a thing for I think oh forgive me, but I think it takes Luther gets to Shan Chan right a thousand years ago and it takes like two or three hundred years to conquer the continent. Right. There's many fairly powerful kingdoms, some of which are led by people who claim to be Aes Sedai, and it's probably not true, but they're channelers, and it takes a while. But as they conquer the continent, the, the Shan Shan army adopts all these different things that the these small kingdoms were using, for instance, the Grom and the Rakin, and mm-hmm. these were all things that separate groups had developed, and they induct them slowly. So when they return... They have all of the all of the crazy animals. They have the Damani, which was actually Luther's idea. He had help, but it was Luther started that. One of the Aes Sedai with him came up with the idea. Yeah, and all kinds of traditions that surround different Terangriel, like the blood knives. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we don't get a lot of details about what's going on back in Shan Chan, but uh, I like the ideas based on the, the clues we get. Yeah. I also imagine that like, one of the reasons why it is so hard to assassinate the Empress is because she's on She can just say, sit down, yeah, and stop. you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when Semarag murders the whole court, I imagine she's just like, yeah, that doesn't affect me. Like, she just stops it from... Or knows some way that it yeah, might not work. She has protection of some sort. Yeah. I don't want to start a new debate, but what if she just can't hear? What if she just makes it so she can't hear? Sure, that would work. Oh, but we got into that because Turok's voice grabs Fane's hand when he reaches for the dagger and he says you can't he uses the phrase unshaven dog again <laughs> we heard him use that last time but he was like and if you touch something that's the high lords we cut your hand off unless he invites you to and Fane says it's mine and turak responds yours turak said inside a chest you could not open and then Fane spins this long lie. Yeah, but I think that's a real big hole in his story. Yeah. He's never really able to fill. Oh, and then he also says, why are you giving this to me in particular? You could have given this to anyone. You could have given this to not an invading army. Why me? And then he invents this story about how his family was the one family that remembered and found the horn of the Valir during the chaos of the fall of, yeah. We call BS. Basically, Mordeth, a.k.a. Wormtongue, um, insinuating himself among a ruler. He's sort of telling him what he wants to hear and giving him little puzzles and just sort of squirming his way into influence. He has enough information to make it look like he does know what he's talking about. Fane, I mean. Um, For instance, at the end of this whole lie he spins, he says the banner that's above this building that you're the high lord of right now Mm -hmm. is the same banner with the exception of the small blue border around it that Luther Pendrag took to conquer the Shan Chan continent a thousand years ago. And that's something that nobody in Ranland, nobody else in Ranland knows. I, I wondered about that. Is is that something that no one else knows? Is it just something that Fane or maybe is very tor- few, like very yeah. few educated people? Because I noticed that earlier when he Fane looks at it, he smiles. He's like, "Here's a thing that I can use." And so far, the people the people that Turok has encountered have no idea what what the hell Turok is talking about. You know, armors of armies of Arthur Hawkwing went where? What are you talking? You know, it's a thousand years ago. Nobody remembers. I'm honestly thinking that most of this information Fane just puts together from torturing some villagers and being smart. Yeah. And he's Mordeth also. Yeah. He's a master manipulator. Right. I I think that's really more. I'm not sure that Mordeth has any necessarily necessarily has any knowledge that Fane uses. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. But Turok responds to the story. Well, it says, Turok was silent so long that Fane began to wonder if he needed further convincing. He was ready with more, as much as was required. Finally, though, the High Lord spoke. You seem to know what none 
neither the high nor the low has spoken since sighting this land. The people here speak it as one rumor among ten, but you know. I can see it in your eyes, hear it in your voice. I could almost think you were sent to entangle me in a trap. But who, possessing the horn of Valir, would use it so? And he basically says, anyone who's on my side couldn't have it, and anyone who was here wouldn't be on my side. So, yeah. And that's that's where Fane goes into the whole thing about his ancestors inheriting the chest and it being passed down through the generations and the true story of the Sean Chan and them waiting for the return. And Turok says again, almost could I believe you. Believe, High Lord, once you sound the horn, do not ruin what convincing you have managed to do. I shall not sound the horn of Lear. When I return to Shan Chan, I shall present it to the Empress as chiefest of my trophies. Perhaps the em- Empress will sound it herself. Thane really wants him to because then he'll be in control of the horn sounder. Well, this is the first that he's heard of an Empress. So he's like, ooh, an Empress. Yeah. Even better than just a local lord. He's all about like, that's an even better place to start if he'd been shipped off to Sean Chan and set his roots down there, that would have been kind of cool. It would be interesting. If any of the book actually took place in Sean Chan, that would be a fun side story. And then Turok says, perhaps I will give you to the Empress a mu- along with the Horn of Valir. She might found, find you amusing. A man who claims his family held true where all others broke their oaths or forgot them. Fane hid his sudden elation. He, he really wants to be, that to happen. Yeah, totally. Access to a ruler with the might of the Shanshan beneath her and the Horn of Valir in her hands. Much better than making this Turok a great king. He could wait for some parts of his plan. Softly. Mustn't let him know how much you want it. And this is where I think it's really more death thinking. Mm-hmm. After so long, a little more patience will not hurt. He has the thought. And after so long is thousands of years. Yeah, since yeah. the Trolloc Wars. He's been waiting for this opportunity. Turok explains that whoever blows the horn is linked to it forever. Explains that he's 12th in line of for succession. And the Empress likes that we're all competing. She encourages that so that only the strongest survive. But right now, second in line is the Empress's favorite. It's well known as the Empress's favorite. And that's Tuan. And this is the first mention of Tuan that we get. He was like, so if I look like I might be a strong rival to Tuan, there's a strong chance that I may not wake up yeah. in the morning. Well, and Tuan herself might take him out. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. So he was like, I'll give the horn to the Empress. But we also, I don't know if you, I'm sure you saw this, but just a short bit later, he mentions the Court of the Nine Moons. I didn't even notice that. He's sort of, he's describing how. Oh, what happens if you what lie. What happens if you lie and how you're basically hung in a silk bag till you rot away. If you're, you're lucky. Up, if you're lucky, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a noble person. I don't know, man. I think I'd rather be killed quickly than... Be tortured to death and starve? I don't know. That's a tough choice. Mm. I mean, they're both torture. Right. He says, No such care would be taken for one such as you. At the court of the nine moons in Sandar, one of you, one such as you could be given to the seekers for a shift of your eye, for a misspoken word, for a whim. And that's, you know, so we know the Court of the Nine Moons, which is in Sandar, Shandar, which is the capital of Shan Chan. Yeah. And that's, we get two on in the Court of the Nine Moons mentioned really close in proximity here. The Court of the Nine Moons is, I suppose, like the palace of the Empress. Is that right? I assume it's just the the royal court in the capital city. So like we talk about the White House in in Washington, D.C., they talk about the Court of the Nine Moons. So if you're a daughter of the Nine Moons, you're a daughter of the White House or a daughter of... The Empress's Court, basically. Just a way of saying, you know, using an object to explain a position of power. The Amarillon seat. Yeah. It's not the chair that's powerful. (laughs) (laughs) And yet it also (laughs) describes the chair. Yeah. The, the, it's the chair, the office, and the person, the Amarillon seat. I'm nodding. Court of Shandar sounded a place where his plans and skills would find fertile soil. I and Mashadar would find fertile soil. Yeah. I also noticed right here, Turak kind of offhandedly mentions, it is a relief to find a second man in this light forsaken land who can amuse me, even if you both tell lies, as I suspect. The first man being Bail Doman. Yeah. It do be. <laughs> Because he had just taken the seal from Bail Doman and was keeping him around 
in Arabian Night style to talk to. Yeah, to, because he's interesting. Yeah, he's an educated man, or at least a intellectual. And then uh, Turok pretty much dismisses him and says, "You like, all right, I'm done with you. Thanks for these precious treasures." And Fane turns around and like, as he's being led away and says, let me just warn you though, there are these people who are after me and they're, they're dangerous. They have Trollocs with them. They're led by one who calls himself Randall Thor. Which is actually a good warning because Randall Thor kills Turok. Yeah. So, hey, hey, you should have probably heeded that warning. (laughs) And Turok's like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll just keep a watch out for that. Get out of here. They cannot be more than a day or two behind me or three months, you know, (laughs) one or the other. So that makes me think that Fane is not in control of the Black Wind, that the Black Wind is seeking Rand totally independent of Fane, because Fane expected Rand to follow him right to the Waygate and only be a day or two behind him. Yeah. Fane doesn't know, understand his effect on the interaction between Pad and Fane, the, who's tainted by the Dark One, Mordeth, Mordeth. Mashadar and the Black Wind Mm -hmm. all affect each other. He sighed and inhaled the fumes from his cup. Mm -hmm. This land wearies me with boredom. (laughs) He's got the horn of fucking Valir and he's like, ugh. Coffee. Uh, You really know a coffee addict when, uh. I kind of see it as in Sean Chan, I see it as like how some people are like, Super, you know, wine snobs. I feel like it's right. an even higher level than coffee snobs. But in Shan Chan, coffee snobs are at that level. I also kind of feel like the nobility in Shan Chan try and outdo each other on laziness. Like there's this, like, what's the least amount of movement you can do to get your wishes done? It feels like it's a level of power with them. Yeah, I mean that's a thing that's existed in the past before. It's like they twitch their pinky finger and like someone comes and takes care of all their needs. In War and Peace, Tolstoy talks about how the aristocracy at the time grew their fingernails long so to demonstrate that they did no work, that they didn't have to pick things up other than like forks and knives ever. And we see that with the Shanchan nobility. They have the lacquered long nails, same, which basically means idea. they can't do anything physical. Yeah. They, the only thing they can do is command other people to do stuff. It demonstrates their power that they don't actually need their body Mm -hmm. to do anything (laughs) this land wearies me with boredom i'll read us out fain let the grimacing juan who's turok's voice pull him out of the room hardly even listening to the snarled lecture on what would happen if he ever again failed to leave the lord turok's presence when he was given permission to do so he barely noticed when he was pushed into the street with a coin and instructions to return on the morrow randall thor was his now I will see him dead at last, and then the world will pay for what was done to me. Giggling under his breath, he led his horses down into the town in search of an inn. He's also giggling there because he's thinking about the terrible torture he's going to inflict on this Huan. Mm-hmm. And I just checked. Huan is later found dead. Hmm. Mm. And yeah, Turok thinks that it was Fane that killed him. So we're going to assume that here Fane decided how to kill him and killed him. Yeah. A little bit later. There's a moment when I think... Juan knocks him out for a second for talking back to the High Lord out of turn. Or just turn. grabs him or something. It hits him in the side yeah. of the head and it says he found himself on the floor suddenly. Oh, yeah. So, like, like, not knocked out, out you know? but if you've ever gotten hit so hard that you... <laughs> I Yeah, when I broke my jaw, that's pretty much what happened. You're on the ground and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. How did I get here? multiplayer online role-playing game oh yeah i said we'd give them a shout out it's like a browser-based rpg that we've been having fun with and a bunch of people from discord that we hang out with on the internet on a regular basis 
Yeah. It's a nice group of people who, they're all Big Wheel of Time fans for the most part. They've been going, this is like their 18th reset. So they like reset the game every couple of months. Yeah. And go through a whole process up until the last battle. And then they fight the last battle and then the world restarts. And they've been doing it for a while now. Yeah, it's a cool little game. And I noticed a lot of them are people who do like Wheel of Time free role play stuff on like Instagram and Facebook and so they're like already people who were listening and then when I found out about the game I went to over to their Discord server. I was chatting with them. I'd said I'd give them a shout out. Was there a lot of overlap between players of the game and listeners of the show? Yeah. There is. Okay. I even see like some of the same usernames as okay. like their Instagram names. You know, not a ton, but uh-huh. all the all the Wheel of Time fan communities kind of intersect pretty heavily, I think. Because, you know, there's only thousands of us. Or I guess at least people that are devoted. It's a New York Times bestseller. It had to sell millions of books, right? Yeah, but a lot of readers aren't on the internet. Or read it and put it down and yeah. don't, like, make lives out of it. Right. It's <laughs> fair. That's fair. Think about it and talk about it, but don't join a community online. Yeah, I mean, if you're not on social media and don't listen to podcasts, you probably don't know about us. So they started a new age and we're, what, 24 hours into it, if that? Oh, man, someone just joined the live recording channel and their username is Tam is the man. That is a great (laughs) username. Tam is the man. I like cute little strategy games like this. I play them constantly anyway on my phone and stuff. Totally. And then this one's like, Right up my alley with the Wheel of Time theme. Yeah. Moving tomorrow? Uh, yeah. So probably by the Should time this comes out, you'll, you'll be my roommate. Again? This is nothing new. You just lived in separate places for a couple of years. Anything else? <sighs> just the sweet scent of cough. There's High Lord Turok huffing cough and later in this. I bet Turok's coffee is way better. Than ours? Yeah. I don't know. Probably not after it's been in the ships for all that time. Didn't we decide it's probably espresso? Don't they serve it in like tiny cups? Yeah. I mean, we've got French press here, which is, I guess, different. Yeah, it's drip. I wouldn't call it drip. I well, call it French press. I don't think that's different, though. It makes... It makes this is similar American coffee. coffee. Espresso is a super dense... Oh, totally. It's high pressure, high temperature, steam brewed coffee. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a difference. I feel like French press coffee is a little bit stronger than typical drip coffee. It spends more time in contact with the grains. Yeah. Whereas like drip coffee, it passes through once. That's what I I use a French press in my apartment too, because it's easier, I guess. You don't need a filter. There's one built into the thing, Yeah, the, the press part. You buy one steel filter once, and I just think that's better. Oh, yeah. And honestly, the I find the paper filters add a lot of acidity to drip coffee. Hmm. That's that's my big problem is the paper filters make the drip coffee taste like crap. So I will much rather drink a French press most of the time. You know, basically, you, you strip a lot of the oil. Just oil soaks into the paper and basically gets extracted from the coffee. So you get you get a little more oil in your in your coffee with a French press than you do with any drip. Hmm. I don't know anything about coffee i just like drinking it i didn't until i started dating jessica the coffee the girl who works at a coffee shop you know surprisingly little i really should probably be more more informed well you guys just have big machines at work that you just put the that's just drip coffee right yeah i mean i make espresso but i don't know very much about it i just know how to make it i know where it comes from what it tastes like like how to make the drinks but i don't really understand the process very well I'm not a barista. I'm right. just not. You You're know? a bartender. Yeah, is who is different. capable of going through the motions of mm-hmm. not making of making coffee that isn't shitty. That's that's where my <laughs> my limit is. <laughs> yeah, I mean Jessica always talks about how careful you have to be and how they like oh, yeah. balancing the machine and temperature and I don't. Do you know how to do all that kind of stuff on the espresso machine? I'm aware that it's done in like in places that you know if you work in a coffee shop like yeah. she does that. You know, they probably make most of their money on just coffee like you. There's a whole thing to it. There's mm-hmm. like the weight of the grains and the the f- the fineness or lack thereof of the grind. 
and it's like based on the type of bean you're supposed to grind it in a certain way and you use a certain weight and then you run hot water over it at a specific temperature it's crazy they time it yep so that you're not running the water for more than a yeah i wonder how much of that is voodoo and how much of it is science i mean it makes sense i can taste the difference like some of my coworkers know way better than i do about about this kind of stuff and it definitely it makes a difference yeah yeah you know if it if the espresso's beans are ground into like a fine powder and and then you pack it like really tight it takes like a lot longer for the water to go through so it leaches out more i think of like the acidity mm. i'm just mostly talking out of my ass now discord says my pacific northwest is showing it's true sorry i'll zip that up I mean, we don't get any sun here, so we have to replace it with coffee. So, like, if you're in Southern California, you talk about the sun, you talk about, you know, going to the beach. Here, we talk about the coffee we drink. That's just what we have. We're pale as fuck. It's all we have. (laughs) It's all we have. We haven't seen the sun for four months, okay? Thank you for listening to the Wheel of Time Spoilers podcast. Rate us in the Apple Podcast app or support us on Patreon. Is that good enough?